Woke Pedagogies is a podcast that engages in critical conversations about inequities in our society. Join me, Elena Fowles, and co-host David Staley as we work to build inclusive spaces of teaching and learning that unapologetically and intentionally dialogue with issues that center the lives and experiences of students, educators, and the community. It is often easy to imagine how race, inequality, and social justice issues easily arise in arts, humanities, and social science-based courses. But how are these issues germane to courses in the sciences? How do we teach and encourage students to engage the complexities of race across the curriculum? Join us in a conversation with Associate Professor of Ecology, Maria Mariti. As we consider the ways in which the very foundations of our disciplines depend on marginalization and how we can engage these realities in our courses. Mariti outlines ways we can identify disparities inherent in our fields of study and how we can facilitate conversations with our students around these realities. Joining us today is Maria Mariti, Associate Professor in the Department of Evolution, Ecology, and Organismal Biology. Welcome. Thank you. I'm curious to know how you are personally thinking about your role today as a scholar educator, especially in this moment when there's so many social, political, economic, health issues that are facing our country. Uh, What are your thoughts on the scholar educator role in times like these? That's an interesting question. So in my discipline, We frequently consider research to be either basic or applied with basic research, um, dealing more towards advancing ecological understanding and uh, applied research more towards using ecological understanding to address real world problems like climate change or invasive species. But um, increasingly, I think that we need to be more expansive in our scholarship and in our education and our teaching to include better communication of our understanding to people outside of the university, either by outreach activities or other forms of communication. I mean, ecologists deal with understanding the natural world and we all live in the world. And so I think it's also important for us to attend to the ways in which social, political, and economic issues influence our research And how we operate within our disciplines, you know, in other words, how we comply, whether implicitly or explicitly, um, with uh, these institutional biases. And um, you also asked about um, educators' role. And I think we need to improve the way that we educate. Um, There's a significant amount of research in STEM education that um, promotes inclusive teaching practices. And these aren't only approaches rather that are student-centered, but they also um, train us to think about the ways in which there are implicit biases in the ways we communicate what we know and the ways in which we expect to receive the information that the students know. How do current events um, like the protests due to the uh, deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Jacob Blake um, 
COVID-19 and the economic and health inequities it reveals. And we are um, in 2020, and so it's election year as well. Allow us to enter into dialogue with our students and colleagues about being engaged citizens. How do we acknowledge what is happening outside to inform classroom dialogue? Yeah, I think that to do this, we need to acknowledge the ways in which inequity works in the university and within our disciplines. And I think that we can openly address structural racism in institutions and in disciplinary values. I think that we can be intentional about what we include and don't include in teaching. So in other words, sometimes we have go-to examples of, in my case, ecological phenomenon. And, you know, sometimes those tend to perpetuate stereotypes about poor people, about um, racial, racial, black people, Latino people. And we need to stop doing that. We need to be really intentional. And I think, you know, in evolutionary ecology, a lot of people think about evolution as survival of the fittest, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Darwin never said that in the first place. And especially nowadays, it's increasingly problematic, right? And so this way of expressing is self-serving to some people. Mm. And we need to own these types of habitual behaviors, call them out when we see them, and discard them in favor of more truthful right, um, and clearer and non-biased examples. So you teach in a traditional STEM field. How do you see issues of race, equity, social justice related to the courses that you teach? It's, it's there. I mean, I, I mean some, some, maybe for me it's easier than some other STEM disciplines, but like one of the courses that I teach most consistently is ecosystem ecology. And so ecosystem ecology kind of explains climate. And we know that climate change has a lot of societal impacts that are racialized. So hot spots are more likely to occur in areas that have been historically redlined, right? Pollutants occur more frequently in poorer area, areas and those that are occupied by people of color. Mm. And so we can... Well, I, I try to include that information in my classes and in the class such as this, it, it, it's very straightforward for me to then challenge the students on how they see their roles, right? I mean, are they just trying to advance themselves to graduate school or to medical school or something? Or do they see an obligation or an opportunity to give back to the communities and if we want things to change, then we need to be more thoughtful about the ways in which we engage um, the public with our knowledge. And so you know, I challenge the students, whose fault is it that there are these big debates around climate change? Mm. Do you blame the politicians or what have we as ecologists been doing to make sure that this information is clearly understood outside of the classroom. What do your students tell you? What do you hear from them? 
you know, increasingly they, they're ready to, to, to hit the pavement. It's their choice where they go with, with what we teach them. They make their paths. Tell us about um, how you developed your own voice around these issues and your own teaching. Yeah, so um, I'm an ecologist, and um, ecology is an extremely white discipline. Um, And I took a sabbatical to understand issues of race and STEM a couple of years ago, and I did a lot of reading in social sciences and education literature. Um, And I looked at presentations of the experiences of faculty of color, and this was motivated because I am tired. I am tired. I grew tired, and I'm still tired of being most of the time the only black woman mm. in the room. Um, and the other thing that um, I guess doing this research helped me um, do better at, at formalizing and understanding is that race is all over um, presentations of pristine nature. The way we think of national parks and these icons and stuff as a racist history, the access to these spaces has been privileged and racialized for many, many, many years. And this is where ecologists typically want to work in undisturbed areas. And, you know, even this idea of undisturbed just completely and totally negates the existence of the Native Americans were here prior to Europe mm. colonization. And so, um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that once I kind of shifted my interest to engage with the lack of diversity within my discipline, it also gave me opportunities to understand and to begin to examine and to figure out how to present more clearly the connection between racism and the lack of diverse participation in ecology and evolution. Mm-hmm. Are there resources in your field or national organizations that help faculty and researchers incorporate discussions of race, social justice, and equity? And are there any particularly good uh, resources that help instructors think about how to incorporate such discussions in uh, STEM courses, uh, which some may consider an unsuspecting place uh, for a discussion of race, for example? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, I think is the hardest question. Um, <laughs> So, you know, in my national organization, right, the Ecological Society of America, um, I think that resources are just now beginning to be developed. And, And there's some who might argue with me that this isn't necessarily true. I mean, there has been, um, uh, the education group in the Ecological Society has been developing um, a program, they call it SEEDS, and I think it's Strategies for Education and Ecology and the Environment or something like that. Um, But they don't really deal with race, social justice, and equity. They're skimming students who are somewhat talented and trying to convince them that ecology is a discipline worth their 
interest. Um, and so that's really not addressing the problem. The attempts that are occurring are starting now and they're a little bit haphazard. I think that one of the problems with ecology as an institution is that it, it's been convenient to accept a lot of the rationales around racial underrepresentation. Mm -hmm. um, and so then this has led to complacency on dealing with racism and biases and social justice, et cetera. So, for example, a lot of people believe that Blacks and Latinos don't care about the environment because, you know, mostly in urban areas. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just not true. And there have even been studies that survey people. And some of these studies show that, like, in any urban environment or community, right, Blacks and Latinos care more about the environment than, than white people in the suburbs, mm -hmm. right? And, and part of that is because environmental consequences, well, some people argue is that, you know, these environmental consequences are present in poorer neighborhoods. The other part, though, is that, you know, the disciplinary biases that I was talking about earlier. And so the discipline doesn't necessarily recognize the ways in which underrepresented people are engaging with the environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? And so I wish we were doing better. And um, there's a small group of us who are trying to shove the society on a direction that we think will be more impactful. And it's frustrating that it took the events of the spring and summer to get people to start recognizing um, that we can be more engaged. And so for those of us who are committed, you know, it's an opportunity to move the bar forward. You know, successful. it's interesting what you said about um, how certain communities like Black and Latino communities are viewed as uninterested in the environment or, you know, issues like that. Mm -hmm. And I was just having a conversation with, with a student that is um, in the STEM field. And she uh, was talking about um, encouraging Latino families to, to go to parks and, you know, to enjoy the outdoors. But one of the things that might be a barrier for this communities is how welcoming are these spaces? Mm -hmm. um, starting with language, starting what uh, with who is around, like if it's mainly um, visited by people that do not look like them, they might not feel safe going mm -hmm. to those places. But what the narrative that then um, gets passed around is that, oh, they don't care or they don't, you know, they don't like the spaces or they, they don't really care about the environment when the reality might be something completely different. So, so I really am interested what, uh, on, on that approach, right? Thinking about why is it that this community um, or that, that we think that this community does not care about a particular issue, what is behind that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is a point that, that a lot of people are examining more, more closely and with a different lens. I mean, the Sierra Club this summer decided, no, we're, we're going to try to distance ourselves from people like um, Muir, who has a major forest in California, because he was a blatant racist, mm -hmm. right? 
And some people go to national parks and they don't feel welcome. But it doesn't mean also that they don't go anywhere, right? And so when we partition and say this counts and this doesn't count, right, then, then we're overlaying biases on people that we're not even really willing to engage with. Mm-hmm. That's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, for students working in labs, does the lab format offer any particular opportunities to address race in STEM or equity issues in the field overall? Yeah, again, that question was a little hard for me because my first thought was, well, sometimes lab activities are just kind of like nuts and bolts. But I have seen that some people who really do a lot of lab work will have presentations on how to promote inclusion in the lab. In other words, how the research group um, engages with each other. Um, But I'm not as much familiar with these I think, though, like, again, with ecology, I have a colleague in Colorado who for for many years is um, when she takes students out into the field, she includes the history of the indigenous people whose lands now occupy wherever she's doing field work. Mm. And um, she's advocated and has um, frequently been um, successful um, for institutions to include land acknowledgement statements and to include the indigenous people in the production of these statements. Um, and the other thing that, that she has done is um, included a bit of how stories that people with different backgrounds might have around a particular place. And so she, mm-hmm. she allows space for that in the context of field research. When I say field research, I mean outside in some Mm -hmm. rural area. Um, And so I think that's one opportunity that we can, you know, use more readily. How accessible are, um, you know, going to the lab, uh, having the lab equipment? And I'm thinking about the student that is, um, you know, maybe Latino or Black. Are they... Do they feel like they have the same opportunities as any other student in the program to go and do research in the field, wherever it might be? Um, is, is that something that is addressed? Is that something that's considered in your field? I gave a, I gave a talk yesterday in Notre Dame, right, from my office. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, uh, a woman shared that she has a a black student in one of her classes and they are trapping mosquitoes in different parts of the city. And he's had the police called on him many times as he's going by these puddles, right, and doing something that people don't understand. And I think that for students who face that, I think that what I offered to this woman yesterday is that, you know, you need to start to think about what is it that the student needs to know? And does he need to do it in those places? And if it is about understanding differences in mosquito nesting behavior, 
then can he take his basins and put them someplace where he's safer? And then as the student is developing, he can develop questions, right, that will allow him to translate the approach to different spaces. And, you know, one thing that we, we lack in ecology is experiments that get replicated in lots of different places, right? Again, because we're wedded to, you know, a certain criteria of, of system. I think that what you're asking, though, is a, is a really hard problem because I don't think that it precludes Black people or Latino people from doing ecology or even from doing ecology in, in, in remote areas. I think that what would have to change would be how you do it. And so I guess what just jumped into my head, like, and I never did it. I was like, I'm not doing that, right? Oh, just go and knock on people's door and ask them if you can do work on their land, right? I mean, for me, this is like things I was being told to do 30 years ago. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel safe mm-hmm. doing that as, as a Black woman by myself. And so the expectation that this is what a student should do in order to be able to find a place to do work is unreasonable, right? And if it means that advisors have to play a larger role in that, then that's what we have to do. Right, right. And so it makes me think, right, that um, not just incorporating discussions about race within the field, but also the, the students, what the students might face, right, as an instructor you need to be aware that some of the things that you're asking your students to do might not be possible or safe for women, for people of color. Um, And that is also, I mean, we're we're talking about woke pedagogies, right? And it's it's really taking into account who is in the room and what experiences might be different uh, for, for the, you know, different types of students that you have in the classroom. Um, so to me, that's also important to engage in that conversation within the classroom. Well, I, I, I guess I would take it a step further because I think that it also um, feeds into disciplinary expectations. And so, you know, once upon a time, you know, you have these men and they put on their boots and they hike out and they do whatever they feel like, right? Well, we've shifted from that. And I think then that that kind of disciplinary expectation for what is good field science also needs to change. And another thing that that I advocate, and this might be jumping to a different question, but, you know, the natural world is everywhere, right? And we can change also the type of work that we do as ecologists. And so then this is shifting the disciplinary lens a little bit more to let go of some of these biases. I mean, if we understand how a tree grows in a forest, then we can also understand how a tree grows in the city and recognize, and I don't know if I'm going to be getting too jargony here, but when a tree grows, they're storing carbon. And it's not only the trees in the forest that are storing carbon. The trees all over campus are storing carbon. Mm -hmm. 
trees all over the city, right, in your yard, etc., are doing this. So right now I'm teaching um, a seminar on structural racism and ecology and evolution. And, you know, you got, I have some number of faculty who are participating in this course. And then there's others who are like, well, you know, I don't see color. You know, I just want to get who's good, right? And so when I just accept whoever has the best qualifications, right, you're discriminating, right? Because we all know that these qualifications, whatever they might be, track with socioeconomic status and race, which means you're not giving a chance to people who could probably do as well, right? Maybe even better, maybe even be more innovative, right? But they're not presenting in the ways that we've been conditioned to associate. Mm-hmm with ability and that 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 just always really 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 bothers me and so you know we need to keep pushing that with our colleagues that they're perpetuating the status quo and if we want to teach we need to be willing to teach which means that we need to take on the students who aren't gonna sound just like us Those kids, they don't need to be taught, right? We need to be willing to engage with students who have a passion for what we can offer them. And we need to be willing to meet them where they are and at least stimulate their knowledge that they can go as far as they want to in the discipline. And, and I, I, I want to underscore that because there's a lot of work that, that it, um, shows that an identity, so a scientific identity or an ecological identity, right, is important and that students who have that feeling of self-efficacy will do what they need to do to repair any gaps in knowledge that they might have. And so if they believe that they can go far, they will figure out a way to learn calculus or, Mm. you know, organic chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) You see this. And I think that those students who are successful are the ones who believe that they can be. So it's not just the belief, right? But that nurturing can enable them and prepare them to do the harder work that they need to do to repair skill deficits. And I don't, I don't think that we, we consider that um, as much as, as we could. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> okay, well, I hope it was useful. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. All right, well, thank you.